Good morning. <laughs> oh, thank you. Appreciate that. I was, uh, I was doing a missions trip a number of years ago. Ryan went with me. We were in Cuba. And uh, his, his, uh, his ethnicity background of, of being Dutchness and his blonde hair and his skin that hates the sun, uh, he's, he's quite jealous of my skin that soaks it in and loves, loves the sun. And uh, so we had gotten, um, we'd gotten a resort that we were staying at where we could move from to go to these various churches to bless them. And uh, the day we arrived, it was probably about, I don't know, 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. We were have to, we were waiting for our room to be ready. So I said, hey, man, I'm going to go just lay out by the, uh, by the pool for an hour and come get me when, when everything's ready. So he comes back an hour later, and I was kind of dozing in and out just from travel. And I opened my eyes, and he's staring at me, and he goes, you're already tan. This is not right. <laughs> I can't help it. Um, but we did have an amazing vacation. Thank you for so many of you that just prayed for our rest. We felt, we felt it. And we, yeah, thank you so much. And we had uh, uh, one of the key points uh, was we went with uh, two of our adult sons and their families, and we were praying for just just a great time and intentionality of being together to catch up and connect, and that certainly happened, so we're really appreciative of that as well. While I was gone on Whoa. There's power in the stage. While we were uh, away on our vacation, the boiler system in our office portion of the building gave up the ghost, um, as well as a lot of water, and so the basement was flooded over there. Um, I'm so thankful for a team that not only didn't tell me, um, but uh, the day I got back, I just checked in the office real quick, and Mia said, uh, we should go for a walk. And I said, no, we shouldn't, because I could tell by the tone of her voice that something was up, but she couldn't wait to tell me. And... Uh, and so we quickly, uh, at the end of last week, um, I believe on Friday, uh, we had been working with a contractor. And I'm just making you aware of this uh, because it really is a need I'd like you to pray into and see what you could do and what the Lord would speak to you about and contributing to um, uh, the Really, at a time of the year, we were not prepared to have to purchase a new boiler system, which is what we have to do because it's an aged, uh, aged system, um, and it's $40,000. And we put out for tender. We do everything uh, with our due diligence. We feel confident with um, the company that's going to be doing that. They'll start this week. And because we also do due diligence here at Harvest with finances, and we tell you in step one, you can trust the procedures here, that we're able to take $40,000 out of account that we have in an emergency fund. And we don't have to put it on a credit card. We don't have to go to the bank. Um, we can pay that. But we will completely deplete <laughs> our emergency fund. So we're asking you to help us because what happens is we get behind the eight ball and we have to, um, we want to replenish that. We, we, we don't want to leave in case something else were to take place. And so we have to replenish that fund as quickly as possible. If you could help us do that, uh, that would be amazing. I just let you know that that's happening. Um, and, uh, and I, again, so thankful for those also that stepped up. I understand, Ray, uh, you just knocked it out of the park by being down there and cleaning up uh, a lot of water, a lot of mess, um, and, and others that I'm not aware. And I just thank you for doing that. All right, today we're jumping into uh, more of a teaching format. You have some notes, uh, and uh, I want to unpack uh, relationship killers is really what I wanted to talk to you about. And so before I left, I said, we need to talk about relationship and, and faith community. We talk about our community of faith and how important that is, but it's, it's, it's something that doesn't exist on planet Earth outside of the church because of the supernatural aspects of something that there's a Greek word that we looked at called koinonia in part one. And koinonia simply means our common union, what we have in common with Jesus. And what we have in common with Jesus is absolutely nothing. And so Jesus puts his life into us when we become born again, and we have in common his life, not a piece of his life. We have all of Jesus in us, and therefore with each other, what we have in common is that life of Jesus himself. And when that life is shared, 
At the connection points of relationship, the house, which is built by living stones, the church uh, is not a building, it's a, it's, it's a community of people, and in a local church, what makes it grow, we have spiritual growth, is not by the amount of Bible studies we have, although that's important. It is actually the koinonia, the exchange of life, the, the life whether we're praying for one another, we're walking through difficulty with one another, we're rejoicing with one another. We could list all the one another's of the New Testament. As we practice those, the house gets strong. It grows. Say strong. We looked at that that is the plan of God in these last days is to raise up a strong house, a strong local church that the nations would flow to. And many people are praying for revival. They're praying for an outpouring of God's spirit. And those things are necessary for the world to see the glory of God and be attracted to it. But Jesus said they, the ultimate attraction that will raise visibility of the house of God is unity and relationships. Jesus said they will know you by your love. So having unpacked that, what we're jumping in today is um, something that we want to look at all the things that can come against that, and we want to protect our community of faith from the things that can destroy koinonia, because in the first century church, they devoted themselves to it. Say devoted. All right. Well, gossip is one of those things that we kind of inherently know is wrong. You use the word, that person's a gossip, or you know, we shouldn't gossip. And we have that sense that it's wrong, but what is it really? And why does it kill koinonia? And why would we want to gossip-proof our community of faith here called Harvest? Father, we just ask this morning that you would help us understand. You would challenge us with the word of God today. And Lord, you would um, just alert us to the foxes, the analogy in the Old Testament, the foxes that ruin the grape, the, the vineyard. Uh, the, 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 they, they do things to the grapes uh, that cause them to be tainted and toxic, and the life in the vine is cut off. Lord, we want uh, to destroy the little foxes, and Lord, we want to gossip-proof this house today. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Well, it's interesting, we're going to find gossip in the very beginning of the Bible. Look at this verse from Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent, which is um, at this point as, it's on the, uh, as the, we're looking at the creation story, uh, Satan uh, takes the form of a snake, and the Bible says he's more crafty or he's more manipulative. He's more evil than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And so he's talking to Eve, and he said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. If you know the story, God said you can eat of any tree of the garden, but there's one tree that represents the knowledge uh, of, of good and evil, and that knowledge they were not to have. Only God possessed the knowledge of, of, of good and evil. Adam and Eve were to live in the tree of life, in the life of God. Good starting point, because that's where we live as a community of, of Christ followers. But he begins to question that. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. And Satan says, you won't die. And he goes on to perpetuate a slanderous lie about God that really God was trying to posture himself and manipulate and, and try to get one over humankind. And if they would choose this other way of being like God, if they would just choose this other way, they could have um, God attributes without the life of God. Well, what we just read is our first recorded gossip session between Eve and Satan. Two people talking about a third person behind their back. Two people talking about the third person. Now, I know some of you are so smart in, the, in, in doctrine, and, and uh, you haven't even taken my class yet that starts this week. And uh, you know that God is omnipresent everywhere, so technically, it wasn't behind his back. He was listening. But for the sake of understanding this today, yes, we have two people talking, God not present to be a part of the conversation. And in this case, Satan is misrepresenting God. He's talking about God behind God's back in a way that gives Eve a false understanding about what God intended and what God said, and that's called slander. Say slander. slander. The action or crime 
of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. When we gossip, we are using the power that God gave us with words. And we know from the scripture that the tongue has the power literally of life and it has the power of death. It has the power to build up. It has the power to tear down. And so the God capacity given to us in our words, and that's why words become so important in the scriptures. In fact, the Bible says we will be judged by every even idle word, even filler words that we have spoken. So gossip is not just breaking a rule. <laughs> gossip isn't just, oh, you did a bad thing. You gossiped. Oh, I slipped. Made a little sin here. I, I did a gossip. Gossip is way more than that. It is using our God-given power with words to destroy another person. It's actually propagating the work of Satan as we saw this very first instance in Genesis as he slanders God. When we talk about somebody else behind their back, and we'll look at what the content of gossip is as we follow up and I unpack this, but the beginning of it, I just want you to see, it's bad. It's bad because it has a power to destroy, to kill, to rob, using words, and it's actually entering into the work of Satan. Say bad. Gossip's bad. The contents of gossip. So, well, how do I know if I'm gossiping? How do I know if I've heard gossip? We're going to look at these kind of areas that we can kind of classify that these things make up what we would call gossip. Lies, shameful truth, and bad news. Lies, shameful truth, and bad news. What do I mean by a lie? Just an untruth. The Bible says a false witness will not go unpunished. So the scriptures take very seriously uh, when we speak a lie about another person, we give a false testimony or we tell an untruth about another person. They will not go unpunished, nor will a liar escape. You say, well, I, Pastor, I, you know, I was just telling it came from a reliable source. How many of us have said that? Just, just We're going to be light today. You're going to be challenged, but this is where I also want to keep it light because we've all done it. So everybody put up their hand. It came from a reliable source. Only to find out. Only to find out it wasn't true. When I was... When I was in Brockville as a youth pastor a number of years ago, a story happened to me that changed my life forever. And from time to time, when I have an opportunity to share it, like I am this morning, I share this story. And the story goes that I was, as I was a youth pastor over a number of young people, there was one young man whose parents were in leadership in the church, and he just was completely disinterested in what we were doing in our youth meetings. He sat at the very back. He kind of stared down at his shoes most of the meeting. Uh, he didn't enter into our, we had a worship band and we did worship and he didn't enter into any of those aspects. He didn't uh, ever come forward for prayer. Uh, as soon as we dismissed, he would leave. And I was kind of interested about this young man because I wondered why he even came. Uh, I wondered, you know, was he being made to come? Does, is it because his parents were in leadership in the church that he was there? And, and you kind of have those questions. And just, I was just kind of brand new about a month in. And I asked uh, some of the kids that I'd gathered um, as a team, and I said, what's, what's Jimmy's story? Ah, man, he's a druggie. I go, what? Yeah, he's a druggie. And we see him at, at school, and uh, he hangs out with the drug guys, and he parties a lot on the weekend. And his mom and dad are probably making him come to church. And, and they just begin to unpack um, Jimmy's, Jimmy's life. Well, a few more weeks goes, go by, and Jimmy's parents asked me if I would meet with him. They were concerned about him and concerned about his relationship with the Lord, and, and would I, as a youth pastor, meet with him? And I, I had that request many years, many times over the years as a youth pastor, and my response was always the same. What I would do is say to the student, look, your parents have asked to meet, that I meet with you. Uh, we can put 40 minutes in and stare at each other. Um, I'm not going to make you uh, do this, um, but if you want to. This is a safe place, and, and you could talk. And he began to talk. And his story shocked me. And as, as you'll realize, the, 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 the really an illustration of what I'm talking about is we, when lies or mistruths are propagated about another person, he said, I asked him about where he was at 
with with just life and 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 uh, and his lifestyle. He said, "You know, I never really felt like I fit in with the other kids here at church. It's been a struggle. It was a struggle because his parents were in leadership, and uh, he just." had a personality that he wasn't outgoing, um, never really felt accepted. He wouldn't be the one to break in. And there were other kids that felt more comfortable. He was a part of a group that had grown up. They had gone to nursery together. They had gone to a kid's church together. And he just never really felt like he fit in. He said, you know, when I got to high school, uh, there was a group of kids there that took me in immediately. And like they really showed interest. And they were guys that were uh, doing drugs and partying. And he said, but I knew that was wrong. I didn't want to enter into that lifestyle, but I was really enjoying the camaraderie and the friendship that I was feeling really for the first time in my life. And he said, as I was beginning to enjoy these friendships, the other kids in the youth group just assumed that I was partying and I was smoking up. And, and probably I shouldn't have been hanging out with those guys, but they were the only guys showing me any attention. So honestly, they were my, they were, they were, they were my group. They were my, they were my clan. And he said, as the stories continued to propagate, and I was hearing it from other people that all of the kids at church said I was a druggie and a partier, I just figured, well, if they think it's already true, what have I got to lose? I might as well make it true. I might as well live according to what they said. I remember choking back the tears as I listened to a story of a young man's life that was really being destroyed by another group of people who were perpetuating lies about him behind his back because they assumed from a reliable source that it was true. Now, look, that young man is responsible for his own actions, and I'm not suggesting that he gets off the hook for choices that he made. I'm telling the story to highlight and illustrate, as he wasn't afraid to share with me that day, I might as well, I made the decision, I might as well live up to the reputation that they had created about me in our faith community. Shocking. Propagating lies. Propagating gossip also has what we would call shameful truth. This is news about another person, and it's actually true. It's something bad that they've done. Hey, did you hear about Pete getting pulled over the other night? Yeah, I blew over. I kind of wondered. You know, he left, he left our backyard, and I thought he'd had too many beers, and man, he blew over. Is it true? Yeah, it was true. It might even show up in the newspaper, but it's a shameful truth. It's a truth that uncovers somebody in a way, in an action that they've committed, that it bears a light on them that doesn't need to be repeated, even though it's true. You say, well, it's not gossip then, is it? Everybody nod your head up and down. Yes, it is. It's a shameful truth that's being spoken behind that person's back. The scriptures say a talebearer, it uses that um, in, in the New King James, talebearer, someone who tells stories, it's the word for gossip, reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit Faithful to community, faithful to friendship, conceals a matter. I want, I'm not talking about criminal activity. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about things that need to be uploaded to authorities and so on and so on. I'm talking about a shameful truth. When somebody blows it, we know we've blown it, that it doesn't need to be announced to the rest of the community. Heard a story of three men that were in a men's small group, and they were all sharing in a room one day, and they just kind of got vulnerable, which is what we would want to have happen in a men's small group, as they began to share, because the Bible says invulnerability, there's healing. Invulnerability and confession is growth, and they were practicing that. And, uh, and so the three guys began to discuss. One guy in particular started out just with struggles in their life. He goes, guys, I need to tell you, I, I, I struggle with gambling, and you know, a couple times I've gone over to Messina and, you know, I, I hear the slots and I see the lights. I don't know what it is. I've got to get to a table. And the next thing I know, I'm spending money that we don't have. I know it's wrong. And guys, I'm just, I'm just saying, please, would you help me with this area? The second guy says, um, guys, I need to be honest. I, I, I struggle with internet porn. I, I get down to one site and it leads to the next site. And before I know it, I, man, I'm in trouble. 
But you guys, I just want you to know about that, and can we discuss a way that we could have some accountability? And the third guy's sitting there really quiet, and he's not saying anything, and they encourage him to say something, or at least, you know, if, you, if you're comfortable in sharing, he goes, guys, guys, I love to gossip, but I can't wait to get out of this room. When we're sharing with each other and we discover shameful truths, you don't need to tell anybody, not even your spouse. <laughs> oh, me and my wife, we talk about everything. I don't hide anything from her. Oh, you're gossiping. Let me, I want to show you how you're doing that and the mechanism of when shameful truth, we talked about lies and how it can destroy because it creates a story that doesn't exist. It's a false testimony. Bible takes it very seriously. It's very destructive. It's demonic. Sharing of shameful truths when people have an indiscretion or they've done something and we're instead to cover one another, to cover one another and to create to create a community in such a way. We're not ignoring sin. We're not saying, well, that's okay. We're saying that people need places of safety where shame can come off and the consequences of a shameful action can be dealt with in privacy. It can be concealed. Say concealed. So you go home and you tell your wife, yeah, no, how'd the men's meeting go? Really great. Did you know that? Uh, I'm trying to pick names of people that aren't here because protecting the innocent, but this is a made-up story, and so we'll just say Jimmy again. And, uh, and so, yeah, and the wife's saying, well, you can tell me. Why aren't you telling me? Well, honey, it's just private stuff between us guys. Oh, sure, private stuff. You're withholding. I don't care how much, pre- you know, that you break, you break. She puts the pressure on because she wants the gossip. And, and so puts the pressure on. He goes, oh, well, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy's been watching internet porn. What? Does Susie know? And I, honey, I don't know if Susie knows we didn't, you know. And the shameful truth just starts to unpack. And what it does is my wife now has information that she hasn't got the context of the story for. Judge Judy doesn't allow this. She says it's hearsay. You can't tell me what somebody else said. It's not even allowed in a court of law because of how it will paint a picture without the context of the person who's sharing it out of their heart. When you do not have the context of someone's heart explaining a shameful truth, you do not share it. It does not get revealed. When you do, the person listening now, my wife listening to Jimmy who's watching internet porn and wondering if his wife knows or however this would kind of unfold and take a life of its own, it forces her into a place of judgment that she should not be sitting in. It forces her to make a decision about Jimmy because she has information and she has to sit as judge even though it's hearsay. Because she doesn't have the grace to carry the information about Jimmy the way I do. Because Jimmy and I did this in vulnerability in a faith community setting where koinonia was happening. When you take it out of that and it becomes a revealing, she doesn't have the grace. She forms judgment. Destruction takes place. Let me show you the verse. Slandering others makes you a fool. Slandering others makes you a fool. The word for slander there in the Hebrew is a word um, for evil report. And we find this Hebrew phrase, evil report, a number of times in the scripture. The first time we find it is um, uh, in Genesis. This is the account of Jacob who becomes Israel. Uh, He becomes the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, the Jewish nation. It says, when Joseph, who's one of his sons, was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. And we learn in the story that Jacob and Joseph have a very inordinate relationship. He's the father's favorite. A lot of family dysfunction where uh, a lot of us learned about, as we're going to see in a moment, different types of gossipers. Um, And the whole family knows about everything. Uh, He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wife. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things, not all of them, but some of the bad things his brothers were doing. He was bringing, in other translations, he was giving his father a bad report or an evil report. It's true, it's true 
But it was a shameful truth that required Jacob to have a view of his other sons and cause him to judge his sons inappropriately. Therefore, it misrepresented the information, though true, hearsay, because Jacob didn't need to know about it. There are other avenues which we can't get into. Well, how do you deal with what? That's not important today. We're just talking about you don't share a shameful truth when you're aware of it. We choose to cover It really comes to light when Moses sends out 10 spies into the promised land and said, will you go and report back to the leadership team what you see in the land? They went out on assignment. The 10 men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against the Lord with their bad report, with their evil report, with their gossip, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. God actually rooted it out immediately in that, that faith community because he wanted to demonstrate the toxicity of this. Their report about what they saw in the land was true, but it had two huge issues. The first issue was they told people they weren't supposed to tell. There's giants in the land, true story. They were going to fight those giants. They were going to have to step up in faith and deal with those giants. They were not told to tell the general con- uh, congregation about the sh- what they, well, we could say shameful truth or what there was about this land that was difficult. They were not supposed to tell the, the common person but because they didn't have the grace to carry that information. They were to go to the leadership and say, we saw giants in the land. They told the wrong party. Say wrong party. Became a, it became an evil report. It became an evil report at that moment. Second of all, um, it was wrong because they put a spin on it because of their own fear. And that, that fear, it, it, it went like wildfire amongst the people. And it cost God's people 40 years of advancement because they gave an evil report. Power of the tongue. Destroyed a faith, that faith community from taking the promised land. Do you know there's a lot of churches that are not taking their regions and not taking promised land because they're not growing in Koinonia because gossip tears and they're just constantly tearing down? We're not one of those churches. But we have to stand on guard. Is, is this work? Is this okay today? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's challenging, isn't it? Gossip is bad, it leads to lies, shameful truth. And the last one, which may surprise you, bad news. Sharing bad news. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so's kids? They got married there a couple years ago. Yeah, I heard they're splitting up. And they are. And people are aware of it. But we're just perpetuating the bad news and talking about it a lot. How about so-and-so's son? Heard he got arrested. Pete and Sally, man, after COVID, never recovered from the business Losing the house, it's sad, isn't it? Isn't that sad they're losing the house? The propagating of bad news with just bad news. David shares with us in the Psalms, he says, but my enemies say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they ask. The context of this is David has an illness and he's not sure how bad it is. He's waiting today's equivalent of he's waiting his two-month period to get into an oncologist and find out how bad it is. And literally, he's in, he's in his sickbed, and he says, my enemies are saying nothing but the bad about what's going on. Then we find out that they're not enemies at all. They visit me as if they were my friends. What's interesting is, and I, can't, I don't have time, I'll just take my word that that we could go to other portions of Scripture where this is actually happening. He's recording it in the Psalms, but in his life history books of, uh, of the other books, we find out these are his family and closest friends that he's talking about. He says, they act like they're my friends, but all the while they gather gossip. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst. <laughs> he has some fatal disease. I think he's fourth stage. I think he's going to die. If he doesn't get a miracle, he's going to die. He'll never get out of that bed. It's so important for us because we're a people of faith. 
And nothing kills faith in a faith community where koinonia should begin to stir us to believe for healing and to believe for bad news to be reversed into good news because we serve a God of good news. We serve a God of the miraculous. We serve a God who can heal today. Somebody say, and unfortunately in many churches, when somebody has received bad news about a diagnosis and pastoring this church, I have been asked Please do not make this public. And I'll say, why? Don't you want people praying for you? We will hand choose those who will pray for us. There are people who do not have the grace to understand that we need a miracle. We do not need the bad news of our diagnosis propagated and talked about because what people tend to do is do the same thing school teachers do. Every day, our kids come home and the forecast is five centimeters of snow and the teachers have told them all it's 50 and tomorrow's gonna be a snow day. (laughs) And it isn't. Because they've propagated bad news to the point that it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's human fallen nature that is not the redeemed person in a faith community. So do we ignore bad information? No, we don't ignore it, but we don't propagate it and talk about it unless we are the people on the inside closest to, and we're the ones speaking faith. We're the ones speaking scripture. We're the ones, we're not off the side going, did you hear about me? I don't know. He might die. Not a miracle. You know, and David said, I need people around me right now that are my friends and family. So this morning as I kind of, we got as far as it's bad, uh, there's, there's lies, there's, there's shameful truth, and there's bad news. Whew, Pastor, I'm so glad. I'm glad you're unpacking that today, Pastor, because, man, I don't do it. I just don't get all up in people's business. I, I, I don't get involved in the gossip, Pastor. I just need you to know I don't get involved in the gossip. I've heard that over the years so many times, and I, and I just want to explode and go, but you are aware of it, aren't you? You are listening to it. Did you know it's not gossip until it's listened to or read on somebody's social media post? <laughs> and gossip is not just the speaking of it. It is the listening. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to the slander. The message version says evil people relish malicious conversations. The ears of liars itch for dirty gossip. We all do it, whether we speak it or we listen to it. We've done it. All guilty as charged. All put up your hand and go, yeah. I'm, I, I, but what do we, so why do we do it if it's so bad, so destructive, so awful? And today to just say, stop gossiping isn't going to work. And so just in the few moments I have left, let me answer the question why we do this. It reveals the heart condition, and we want to heal each of our heart. Without the healing of our own fallen nature and heart condition, this doesn't stop. And so we'll take personal stock today. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. The message says, listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? You know, our moms and dads used to always say to us, don't eat that snack before dinner. You'll ruin your appetite for supper, right? And how many of us as adults, it's an hour before dinner, we're starving, we can't wait, there's a bag of chips, we crack it open, we're eating, and the next thing you know, you're feeling like, ah, I sure wish I hadn't done And then you don't eat your supper. I wish I'd listened to mom and dad. <laughs> but it's choice morsels. The chips taste so good going, mm, But they don't feed anything. It's garbage in the belly. And so the choice morsels of gossip are feeding something in you and something in me. All, it can be all different things that it's feeding. And we're going to look at five. Uh, as, and I'll do this quickly. And we'll, we'll, this teaching session of gossip, we can put a, kind of put a bit of a bow on it. But you'll have a complete picture when I'm done this morning to help us gossip-proof this house. There are five heart conditions that the choice morsels will feed. And you need to decide, what is it feeding in me? What do I want to starve in my life so that I will not enter into gossip and gossip-proofing our community? The first one is 
the spy. Say the spy. Yeah, the spy. Gossip, the gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. The King James says talebearer. It's a very specific kind of gossip. The Hebrew word means to be an informer, a peddler of secrets. Maybe you grew up in that family, the family where there were no secrets. In fact, everybody is just like your dirty laundry got aired literally to anybody in the family. You had that aunt who had to tell grandma, who had to tell this person, who told your brother, who told your cousin, and then the next family gathering, you don't even know if you can show your face. There are no secrets in this family. And there are natural families like that, unfortunately. Here's the kicker, that in a lot of those situations, it's like a contest. Who will know first? Who gets the juicy information first? Oh, I knew. And so when you're having the family gathering, well, I knew that before you knew that. And then you start comparing the timelines and you find the winner. Ha, ah, you did. How did you? Oh, oh, they told you before they told me? All the while, in the context of gossip, what is it feeding this context? The spy, the spy, and I, we've had spies, you know, at Harvest over the years, and the spy will typically say to me, Pastor, I don't know why people come and tell me everything. I just find myself having conversations and they're telling me everything about their lives and their situations and I just don't know why I know so much about what's going on. And I'm usually kind and I smile and I want to go, because you're a spy and you elicit information. You are cunning. You ask questions and you know how to ask the questions to get information and then you get the information whether they said it or there was their body language, and you are a skilled interrogator, you don't even have to use bamboo. You just charm the information right out of them. And if I were to ask the person who the spy is interacted with, they typically will answer, it was the weirdest thing. I've just, I, was, I told them way more information than I would tell my closest person. I don't understand how, I got, how they got that information out of me. Because they're a spy. <laughs> and their heart condition is a control, it's a control issue. Because information is power. Say it with me. Information is power. And in communities or in a workplace, we want to have information. How do you know if you suffer from the spy and that there's control issues going on in your heart that the choice morsels of gossip feed that and keep that perpetuating and going in your life? Well, this would be one indicator. Would be that at work or here at church maybe that there's been a miscommunication, which we try to communicate the very best we can at all the different levels, dream team, and we have all different levels of people who are in leadership and, and, and responsible and they need information. But once in a while, things will happen, or at work, I know this happens in every organization, that you have to move quickly, and there's a miscommunication. And you find out you weren't communicated to. And here's the spy or the control person's response. Oh, I don't know what's going on in that place anymore. Man, I've been going to that place my whole life. I've been working here for 10 years. and I don't know what's going on. Do you know what's going on? I don't know what's going on. They don't tell me nothing. Boy, I don't, I don't. And this angst starts to come out that a miscommunication elicits and triggers this response of you don't feel like you're on the inside. That's really what's happening. You're not in the position of control. Somebody else got information that you didn't get that you think you should have. And rightfully, you probably should have it, but it's the reaction I'm pointing to. <laughs> this is, is this real? Are we doing okay? Is this real stuff? All right. And so because you need to be on the inside, what you force relationally is pushing other people to the outside. And in that dysfunctional family that where grandma or, and everybody's competing for the power of information, the only person hurt is the people we're talking about that get pushed to the outside like the young man in Brockville. A spy has a misdirected need to feel important. Teenagers, we see this and we try to help them because teenagers, they'll trade, <laughs> they trade secrets like it's the stock market. You know, which commodity? 
And we want to grow out of that. We don't want to create uh, environments like, high, you know, most people, when we think about high school, that's what we think about. And so we want to grow beyond that and recognize that if I need the information, so how do you deal with a heart that's controlling and in need of the choice morsels to feed it? I can't unpack all this. It's in your notes. But I would encourage you, overcome it with humility, submission, embracing Jesus' power, not Satan's. Understand who you are in Christ. Begin to grow in your understanding of who you are. It's the, the power of information will not grow you up or make you feel important. But Jesus can do that as you discover who you are in Christ. You can overcome the spy condition of the heart. Number two, the grumbler. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. The Hebrew word here for gossip is murmur. It's the person who complains and criticizes behind somebody else's back. Usually someone in authority. Your boss, your parents, pastor, (laughs) And it doesn't always have to come out angry. I mean, it often does. It doesn't have to. Sometimes it can be sneaky ranting. People say, oh, I'm just ranting about my boss. Yeah, okay. Um, You may be a grumbler, and you're releasing information, and I'll show you the heart condition in a moment. It can be sneaky. Oh, you know how Roy is. What? No, what, what do you mean? I don't know how Roy is. Oh, yeah, you know how. If he, he just has to be in charge of everything. And, and if, if he doesn't like what you're doing, he'll, cut, he'll just say, okay, you ain't not doing that ministry anymore. And you, you know how that, you know how Roy is. We love him. He's pastor. Oh, we love him so much. We have a... And this complaining usually about people over us is rooted in jealousy. The person we're complaining against or we have something, has something that we perceive we want. And worse, we deserve what they have, but we didn't get it because we got a bad hand of cards. Excuse me. Remember, it's a tasty morsel. Grumbling gossip feels so good because as we're complaining, we're actually justifying our position that I deserve to be in charge. I deserve to have a say. I deserve my direct report. I work way harder than he works. Why does he get more money? I deserve vacation time and money. It feels good. Choice morsels. Worship team, you can come up. We're going to finish this up. I appreciate your patience today. It's a large, a large topic over um, how do I deal with a, uh, a jealous heart overcome with learning contentment, thanksgiving, and gratitude. I love what Ryan said today. If you can't say anything, say thank you. The backstabber, um, this one, this is a person who is in personal pain in their life. They've never resolved personal pain. They could be a victim of abuse. It could be just so many different things where there's just, there really is right on the surface uh, a lot of pain. But unfortunately, when you don't deal with that pain, you become the warrior with your words. The Bible calls it malicious gossip, where you take lies and shameful truth and you actually use it as a weapon, a weapon against another human being. It comes out of a heart that's full of revenge, anger, hate, unforgiveness, retaliation. And I would say if you want, if, if you would ah, oh, pastor, I have that. I don't know how to deal with it. I, I would recommend you get, you seek professional assistance immediately to get your heart healed so that God can use you to bless and to forgive and to get into the position where you could do that. The chameleon is the person who just listens a lot, doesn't want to rock the boat, um, they are afraid that people will have an opinion about them if they say, oh, no, that's not true about so-and-so. They don't step up to it. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord will be kept safe. And that your particular heart condition is you just don't, you're not secure enough to challenge somebody else. Their opinion of you paralyzes you in life. The last one, the busybody. Do we have the picture? The over 49 group knows, period. And Paul writes to the church and says, we hear that some of you are idle and disruptive. You're not busy. You are busy bodies. And he goes on to talk about how that is tearing down the church. And a lot of times, unfortunately, just people who are in retirement mode and they're not, they just are not, they're out of family life. They have a lot of time on their hands. 
They can just start filling it with scrolling all over social media and trying to figure out what everybody's doing. And, and it just can be, just be careful. And what you could do is simply fill your time with productivity and serve others. Sign up for the dream team. Find out how you could, how you could help here um, on our week to week. All right. You know it's bad. You know it's content. You know where it comes from. You know that the choice morsels feed it. How many today would say you feel like you got educated in the area of gossip? Okay, good. Awesome. Then we did our job. And uh, thank you. I appreciate that. There's some notes that further you can read through to help you um, and how to deal with it as you listen. You know, not to listen, not to participate. Excuse me. What we don't want is for you to become the gossip police. Stop gossiping. You'll see that what, the way I set this up today, it's all inward and we look at ourselves. We don't look at others. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, Holy Spirit, I would just ask that we would see the importance of gossip proofing this house. Lord, we've all done it. We all do it. We've all listened to it. But today, Lord, there would be a beginning and a reminder to watch our mouths, watch our words. Lord, specifically, I want to pray for that person that may be identified where the choice morsels have been feeding them. And in this room and online today, you would just take personal responsibility to say, I got to get my heart healed. Because a broken heart, an unhealed heart, just perpetuates hurting to other people. Hurt people hurt. Lord, that we would all take responsibility to discover what are the choice morsels feeding in my life. At the end of every service, and I know we've gone longer than we normally do, but at the end of every service, I ask the question, are you here today and you've never invited Jesus, the life of Jesus, to come into your heart? If that's you today, I want to just ask you to think about this very simple prayer that would go something like this. Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. I realize I'm a sinner. Today I know you forgive my sin. I ask that you would do that. Come into my life. I want to be born again. If you prayed a prayer just in your heart, and you can do that right now, or if you just did it with me, we believe you are born again. That God is rescuing you from yourself and putting his life inside you. And online today, you can indicate, today's my day to turn my life to Jesus. If you did that in the room, even in this moment, I would encourage you to find someone with a black shirt and just say to them today, I've made my decision today to follow Jesus. We would love to give you a gift of a Bible. Let's all stand together today and we're just going to sing this closing song and then be, then be dismissed. this morning how many have been challenged (laughs) 
We find ourselves in those situations that we don't mean to, and yet we find ourselves there. I just want to pray for each of you this morning as we leave. You know that we will be challenged this week before we speak to think. And it's that's hard sometimes for all of us. Father, I just thank you this morning, God, for timely words, God, that just challenge us inwardly, God. I'm praying for each individual this morning, Father, that as we leave this week, as we find ourselves in conversations, that we will find a check and say, no, I'm not going there. No, I'm stopping. Father, I just pray a blessing over each and every person here. And Father, as we have family day tomorrow, that we can just celebrate our families, celebrate all that you've given us, Father, celebrate the units, Father. And I just pray a blessing over each and every person, God. Take us, Father, this week as we leave. And Father, just bring each and every one back safe next week. Thank you, Father, for everything that's happened here today. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Harvest. We'll see you next week. We have our prayer team down here. If you're believing for something this morning, regardless how big or how small, come down and get prayer this morning.